Um, thank you for joining me. I'm. Uh, you'll get to see me in a moment. And welcome. Good afternoon to uh, Sunday sessions. Uh, goodness me, got, I got the computer on the uh, screen there. Uh, lovely for you to be here uh, for the midsummer. Uh, Solstice was officially yesterday, but I think a lot of people are celebrating it today. And today we're going to explore subjects related to tree lore, orm, water lore, sheep, woodland, tree and garden sanctuaries. This is what we do on the Sunday sessions, and even a side dish of bardic storytelling and poetry. Now, today, the day after being uh, midsummer this year, I'm obviously thinking about midsummer traditions, and I assume some of you out there uh, will be thinking the same and participating in some way. So in this session, this Sunday session today, I intend to cover a bit about St. John and his water blessings, herbs for this time, uh, fire traditions, uh, feasting for midsummer. And uh, I think first, uh, what I ought to do is uh, get on with a, a bit of a wee story. Um, of this time. Uh, it's one that I picked up from kind of an Ethiopian friend at uh, a conference that I was at to. And he was telling me that uh, St. John himself, because um, the eve of St. John is on Tuesday, and that's quite a big thing in Ireland and various other countries, uh, obviously in Ethiopia and Spain as well. And it's when people light their bonfires and uh, but the story this fella told me, this lad from Ethiopia, is that um, St. John in a, another realm, and I, I, the intriguing thing, of course, that he was actually St. John in this other realm. And uh, before he was born here, in this realm, he was a foster father to orphans. And there he cared for them. And anybody that uh, John, St. John cared for, they were blessed with the eternal immortal life. Now, two of his foster children were a little girl called Dawn and a little boy, which was obviously called Dusk. And as they became into teens, he said to both of them, and he looked after them well, and they were loved. And he, he turned to Dawn, he said, your job, my dearest girl, will be to relight the sun every morning and prepare it for its daily travels. And you, my dearest boy, you have to douse the sunlight every night so that it'll not harm anybody on its way to slumber. Now, both of these now immortal souls did what they were asked because they, they loved their foster father, uh, John. And so as the sun was up in the sky every day and they didn't miss any days and way back, when the bare trees peeked across the horizon during the darkness of winter, on those short, dark days, the sun finished its journey a lot sooner than it does today, and the, but it gave the sun plenty of time to sleep because the morning time comes later on as well. And when the spring comes, the sun will wake up nature with its warm rays and it will realize that from now on, 
till the autumn comes again. It has to work a lot harder than it used to. But then when the summer comes, it's when the sun really has to work hard and it barely has a chance of going to sleep at all. But it is then when dusk's hands, the weary, short sleep sun, he can actually hand it straight to dawn, who then relights its dim glow once again, like she does every day. But at this time of the summer solstice, when the world's filled with flowers and song and light and lots of joy, it's also the time when dawn and dusk actually are so close, they get to look in each other's eyes. And as dusk hands over the sun to dawn, their hands can actually touch in soft caress and their lips to beat, to share brief kisses. And St. John of the Water, who could never sleep at all, he was watching everything. And he noticed that this amorous union between dawn and dusk was getting stronger every year, every summer solstice as they got older. So one solstice, when dawn and dusk had grown into adults, he said, now, dear ones, I'm so happy with you. And my deepest of wishes is that you will be happy together forever. You know, you, should, you two should marry. And then you'll be able to continue your jobs with the son as man and wife. But both of them turned around to John and said, oh, please, please don't ruin our joy. Let us remain young and in love forever, just as we are today during this midsummer. And by doing so, our love will always stay fresh and young forever. Well, St. John blessed their decision and he agreed to let them continue to live and love just as they wanted. And it's ever since then, during a time of four weeks each year, dawn meets dusk and dusk sets the dimming sun into the hands of dawn. And the hands meet together with that soft touch and their lips meet together in a sweet kiss. Dusk cheeks are red and the sky reflects his joy. And the excitement is picked up by all mortal men. And dawn's golden glow after she relights the sun again, it warms the hearts and love within all women. Now, Sir John, knowing the importance of this annual meeting of his foster children, he blessed the earth with soft rains at this time. And don't we know it today? And it filled the land of the whole earth, well, the Northern Hemisphere anyway, with beautiful flowers and the sweetest sounds around them of the living beings to calm humans in their labors so they feel relaxed and they feel whole. And I feel dawn and dusk are just like the puffing birds and the puffing birds are able to meet each year on the shores, especially the Western shores, Ireland and Scotland. And though they have to separate once again after four weeks, like dawn and dusk, they feel that they are immortal and they will meet again next year. So there we have the meeting uh, of the dawn and dusk uh, story 
a wonderful brother and sister. Boy, that may be a bit parched. So I hope you're enjoying the flowers and the union of your all and the bringing together of people. But I suppose it's pretty odd. I brought on puffins. So that's, uh, that's there we go. We have puffins. There's two mating puffins for you there. And uh, the one thing about puffins uh, that's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, why am I referring to puffins? And my approach with all of the eight ceremonies, the eight Celtic, uh, what would you call them, the parts of the year, the Celtic ceremony, the Celtic fire festivals, the Celtic feast of the year. A lot of people are very attracted perhaps to the rituals and the ceremonies. And in some way you can get so involved with that that you forget of the natural phenomenon that is actually going on around you that helps you to recognize which parts of the year you're in. And the puffins, I think, are a lovely example of this because they arrive from the sea at each vernal equinox, at each spring equinox. And as they move on to Beltana, Beltana, uh, they start uh, hatching, uh, they start laying their eggs. They only have one egg, a puffin, female puffin only lays one egg, which you might think, oh, that's very strange because a lot of the garden birds you might know, the chaffinches, the finches, robins, blackbirds, they seem to lay a few eggs in a nest, they're pretty, and they have the chicks. So how can the puffins survive with just laying one egg? And that's quite fragile, isn't it? Well, the cuckoos do it, don't they? Well, these little garden birds, I think they live six to eight, maybe 10 years if they're lucky, but the puffins, they, they actually live for 20, 25 years, sometimes 30 years. So they're still around today. So obviously it still works. And it's solstice time. And this is the time when the puffins' eggs hatch. Both the male and female puffins keep them warm from Belton until now. But this is the hatching time. And this is the time when the puffin parents are looking after their uh, young ones. And uh, I'm losing myself here. I'm looking, uh, trying to look at the time here, but I've lost it. Never mind. To actually have the fruit. But it's at this time where we can bless and we can celebrate with gratitude when we actually see the fruit forming. And now with these midsummer showers that they grow and that's going to be our harvest for lunasa well between now and lunasa these puffin birds they're looking after the young they're training them uh, to eat and feed but it's at lunasa the parents actually fly away back to the sea and they leave the poor little young well it seemed poor little to us uh, puffins uh, behind to learn to fend for themselves and to actually become self-sufficient puffins. And then by the time we get to the autumn equinox, those puffins, those little baby puffins, they have to wait for the dark because there's so many predators, the storm petrels, the fulmers, they're all out to try and eat these little puffins. So they, they get out at night and they waddle out to the sea and they, they swim a bit and then they learn to fly a bit. So that is the cycle and they'll be back the next spring equinox. And so we have puffins again. Now, uh, 
Are there anybody of you going up to Karakil uh, today? Uh, I'm trying to, uh, there's supposed to be a clock on here saying how long I'm going. Is there any, oh, there's a few comments here. Oh, I, this is a good time. Donna, uh, thank you for being here. Um, let's see, uh, that's it. Um, there we go. And let's see, uh, good morning. And good morning to you, uh, Donna, on this, uh, what is uh, solstice here. And Kimberly, uh, good morning to you from Boston. Happy solstice to you, uh, Maggie. Lovely to see you. And uh, here, who we got here? We got Star Regan. Good uh, morning uh, to you all here. Now, I still haven't got used to the buttons on this um, StreamYard, but I must admit, I'm really beginning to enjoy this a lot. Now, let's see where I am on this. Um, there we go. And now you can see my face again. So thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you in Ireland, uh, some of you might have actually got your bonfires ready for, uh, what are we, the 21st, I think, for Tuesday, uh, the Eve of St. John's. And I find that quite strange in a way that it's a bonfire ceremony. But it's a lovely one. Uh, people come together with their friends, with their family. And they use uh, they used to use that fire for actually cooking things. I know when we have them here, we have a a fire dance garden which i haven't got a picture of i wish i oh yes i do i think i have a picture if i can throw this up for you no i don't have the fire dance one uh that's a pity because i would have loved uh where we have uh, can have circle dances around the fire dance and uh, i throw potatoes in and a few things uh, in the foil to cook up in the fire because i feel you know it's not the time of year really when you want to actually warm up uh, yourselves uh, but uh, people love the fire, and they have fires at all of those eight Celtic festivals, uh, fire times. But I found it a little odd, obviously, with uh, John uh, the Baptist, because uh, he's, that's what it is, he's a Baptist. He, uh, he's a, a man of water, the blessings with water and the cleansing with water. And we love uh, one of the, probably the earliest senses of mindfulness that we really have had is is having a, a lovely bath, having a, la a bath with the Epsom salts or the uh, rosemary or the lavender and the ecstasy of that being submerged in the water. And when we go to the beach uh, uh, from this time onwards, hopefully, uh, and we're actually in the water and the water happens to be a bit warm or in Ireland, you get that experience when you put a, a three-ply wetsuit on. But that warm and being bathed, that whole sort of regeneration, it's like being reborn again. It's, you're back into the womb, back out again. And the whole sort of cleansing feeling of that. And of course, from Belton and Beltany, people relate to the whole cleansing of the fires and how people would jump the fires and the cattle would be put through the two fires. So it's another time when people think probably of the cleansing, but I'm surprised it's not more of a water celebration as such. But when we th think of um, water, and I was talking about if you have a bath there, uh, is the herbs that are quite dominant at this time, because people certainly use herbs for blessings at this time. Uh, fennel is a good one to rub over you, the whole freshness of that. And I wish I'd brought some fennel in uh, uh, to 
I've actually uh, shown and even sort of rubbed myself with some fennel. Now, imagining it, I hope you've got some uh, in your garden there. And uh, rosemary, very similar. Uh, the rosemary have got a few little flowers on, but the flowering time has passed. But even so, the rosemary is lovely and strong. And of course, being St. John's time, we can relate to the St. John's wort, but St. John's wort flowers are not out here. I don't know if you've got any St. John's wort flowers out. Just let me know. And uh, yarrow. And, and yarrow, the whole sort of freshen up, cleanse, antiseptic, heal all. Uh, it's not in flower yet. Uh, it will be soon. But even the leaves, again, it's, fr it's freshness, it's protection. It's probably, uh, the yarrow is perhaps even better than putting all that stuff that we're putting on uh, these dates uh, to prevent the coronavirus. So the yarrow is great protection. If you cut yourself, the yarrow is, it seizes everything up. And if you get an upset tummy from too much celebration, uh, make a tea of yarrow. That'll sort you out uh, pretty quickly. As I say, we have a fire celebration, and I talked about throwing the potatoes and other veggies and goodies, apples wrapped up in foil and cooked away. But in my younger years, this was very much a time of picnic. Now, do I have a picnic picture? No, I haven't got my picnic picture up. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, that's bad. I did have a picture, picnic picture prepared, but that's not there for you. And I, I imagine you've got wonderful uh, memories of picnics, especially those of you who went uh, on our bars in the woods from 2012 to 2018, was it? On uh, Yes, I think that was the last. And we went off to Innisfree, which was absolutely wonderful. That was a big one. That was in June, I think, wasn't it? And uh, a bit like today, sun was out, boom, there was a downpour, but it was absolutely glorious time. So... Being under a tree, having a picnic, that to me is very much uh, the midsummer thing, uh, uh, is that picnic. And that might seem strange, a picnic at this time, because I know people got polytunnels now, and on Facebook they've got pictures of all the great harvests that they have. But it wasn't so long ago where people didn't bother with polytunnels. It's become a kind of self-sufficiency thing now to try and keep up with the supermarkets that seem to have all produce all year round. But when I was, certainly when I was young and even in my 20s, there wasn't, wasn't any really hardly any food coming out of the garden. There were some salad greens, radishes, and uh, we could forage for a few greens still. But June's a very sort of lean month. But the one thing we always seem to have plenty of, and when we went to festivals and events, and even to neighbors, to friends, one thing that was plenty of was cheese. A lot of people seem to have the cheese ready now. So it's very much a picnic of bread and cheese and bring along some ale or uh, that's very much when I was in Yorkshire, people brought their uh, wooden kegs uh, or wooden little wooden barrels of beer. And when I lived in Somerset, that would have been the scrumpy cider that was from the farmers. And uh, in both places, when I was in Yorkshire and uh, in Somerset, in order to bring about that socializing, if we weren't off on a picnic or a day or two before uh, the midsummer, or even to get people to connect with us and invite them to the picnic, we would leave 
uh, bread and cheese and in Yorkshire it was ale, Somerset cider. You would actually leave that on a table outside for any passers-by to come and help themselves. And when you saw they were helping themselves, you would invite them to come in to have some more. And I think uh, in some places, certainly in Scotland um, and north of England, I don't know, might be in Wexford, I wouldn't be surprised, is one of the things you put out is bread and butter pudding. And, and for people to help themselves, there'd be bowls, they could help themselves to this bread and butter pudding. And there is, a, I've heard in some places where the bread and butter pudding is very runny and it becomes a kind of a drink uh, that is, is sort of mixed up milk uh, with sort of broken up bread that sort of dissolves in it and you stir it around and you throw butter in it. And, and that's a gift that you have uh, for people. Uh, so uh, let's see if you've uh, got any uh, any questions. I haven't got any li live guests. I hope the fact that I haven't got headphones on hasn't caused an echo uh, with you. Um, we are in, um, as I say, I'm using, losing, I hope I'm not losing. I'm using uh, the uh, StreamYard here and the purpose that it could allow guests. So. I've been asking people to contribute to be as guests to actually share the screen and be part of uh, what's going on or to send in a uh, a video and I can run that alongside. So what's it next week? It's the poetry one. So please bring your contributions live or send videos in for next week. Now, what do we got here? There's a few, bit of chat going on here, which I love to see. Um, Linda Rosewood, I wish I could get to character, uh, let's see, dang. <laughs> uh, well, that lovely Linda, thanks you're here. Uh, that's wonderful. I hope you're doing well there. And uh, we've got uh, Donna saying lots of rosemary there. And she's, uh, her, there she go, and Yarrow. Well done. Uh, it's always, both of them, so handy to be on hand. Because I think the rosemary makes you feel young as well. I talked about Dawn and Dust saying young. I think the rose. They probably got loads of rosemary as well. There's Kimberly with a medicinal herb garden, and, and especially with the St. John's Walk, and makes the herbal tincture. Well done. And uh, antiviral, good standby. At the same time, if the St. John's Walk isn't handy, and uh, yarrow is often more abundant in the wild, either one, fantastic. Uh, wonderful, thank you. Um, Oh yeah, good uh, uh, sunscreen. I was, and also I noticed the rosemary and the yarrow is pretty good for that. Yarrow tincture is an insect repellent and so is the uh, rosemary as well. Mix the two together. Um, both as well, the yarrow uh, and the rosemary as a mouthwash. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, it's really whatever you can get hold of. Um, if you make recommendations, I think, of various herbs uh, but they, they might be in another country, for all we know. So it's great to learn what we've got and to actually make little maps uh, of our, for ourselves to know and remember and remind ourselves where these little places are to forage these wild plants, as well as what you accumulate in your own herb gardens. We've got the um, Dancing Ladies Herb Spiral Garden here. It's a little bit overgrown, and it's funny the stuff that it's overgrown with or is perhaps as helpful as medicinal and as edible as the stuff that I've actually uh, planned there. 
Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Yarrow tincture is good. Nice herb, herb garden. Goodness. Oh, Shell. Hi, hi, uh, Shell. Uh, happy. We've got um, enjoying the sense of the herb and medicinal garden this morning. I'm really enjoying this. The, the comments you're coming up with is absolutely fabulous because um, what's, um, what's coming up is you're really celebrating with your the flowers and where I was saying about St. John in another realm and uh, dropping the soft rains and enhancing us with all the blossoms and the scents around to, to calm us in our labors and to feel whole. This is something that's coming across from your comments. I'm loving it. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, I'll definitely mix them both together. I have much rosemary. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, it's doing, as I say, use what you've got. The fragrant herbs, even the thyme helps. And I never mentioned that, but uh, the ones I did mention are the ones that I find are very predominant at this time. And the, uh, nobody's mentioned the fennel, but I do find these sort of licorice sort of, I don't know, rosy. I always thought, think of um, the rosemary as almost sort of rose smell. So that sort of encha the enchantment fragrance smell things, the sweet enchantment seems to be an incredible tonic, an incredible lift for this time of year. So mix any of those. And it's interesting, uh, the protection against uh, insects. Of course, this is high midge season with all these soft rains that we're getting. The midges can be quite a nuisance, but fortunately around here, we don't really seem to see them before six o'clock, sometimes seven, eight o'clock. And with the breeze, we might not see them again. So I think uh, I'm kind of uh, running out, nearly done the half hour. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, contribute a poem, either offer to come on and share it live next week with um, Creating Poetry. And uh, I think I mentioned about it last week. Creating poetry can be from anything. I'm remembering the bards in the, wood, bards in the woods at Strokestown, where a woman who I knew was a fantastic poet, but uh, like me, not very easy to memorize your own poems. And she didn't reluctant to say a poem. So um, I said, what do you got in your purse? Have you got any little notes in your purse? Because she was holding on to her purse. And she came out with a shopping list. And uh, she just read the shopping list and every item gave a memory to her what she uses it for. And you can see from the different facial expressions, absolutely gorgeous. So if you're on live, the one thing is your poetry will actually show your facial expressions. Uh, so do, do have the courage to submit either to say, can I be on live for a few minutes next week? Or just send me a pre uh, video and how I've it loaded up like you, the little intro that I had at the beginning of this Sunday session. Now I'm going to close this off now and talking of a poem and I like to finish these sessions with a poem and uh, as I've been on the garden I haven't been doing poetry. I've been doing writing all right but for some reason it hasn't come out as poetry. Maybe I should get my shopping list out. But for today, I've come out with uh, one of my favorite poems, poets, uh, the dear William Blake and his interpretation of Midsummer. 
O thou who passest through our valleys in thy strength, curb thy fierce steeds, allay the heat that flames from their large nostrils. Thou, O summer, oft pitchest here thy goldest tent, and oft beneath our oaks has slept, while we behold with joy beneath thy ruddy limbs and flourishing hair. Beneath our thickest shades, we oft have listened to thy voice. When noon upon the vervid care rode over the deep of heaven beside our springs. So sit down and in our mossy valleys, on some bank beside a river clear, throw thy silk draperies off and rush into the stream. Our valleys love the summer with its pride. Our bards are famed when they strike their silvered wires. Our youths are bolder than the southern swains. Our maidens fairer in their sprightly dance. We lack no songs nor instruments of joy, nor echoes sweet, nor waters clear as heaven, nor flowers enchanting warmed by this sultry heat well that's midsummer by william blake and we've had some sultry heat but uh not today so thank you uh for the people on facebook people on youtube as this is simultaneously going out to both and thank you for those people who are going to be watching this uh, as an archive do please add your comments and you've got the same invitation too to actually join in with your poetry next week, either live or um, or send something in. And of course, I forgot to do my advertising. Uh, there we go. Uh, do, do join our Karakori uh, Sessions Facebook group, and you'll get updates of this and after sessions. And for those of you who are on YouTube and like to go to YouTube, please join our Karakori Journal channel there on uh, youtube and uh and also join us uh I'm, I'm i'm back on on monday with after sessions which is questions and answers look back on all the different subjects that i do uh, cover here uh on uh, sunday sessions um as a sort of a reminder anything uh, that's to do with uh, the uh, water law, tree law, the orm, the she, the woodland tree, and garden sanctuaries. And then two Sundays' time, it's actually going to be an update on garden sanctuaries. So I hope you'll participate in that one as well. Enjoy uh, your solstice day. I'm glad that uh, Ireland's got a lot more freedom. And of course, in a week's time, I'll be, it'd be amazing uh, if uh, people are actually be watching. <laughs> Uh, this uh, Sunday sessions because everything is supposed to open up. Uh, maybe I'll grab a tent and we'll go somewhere, something like that. Maybe I wonder if I can do one of these Sunday sessions from a tent. That'd be a gas, wouldn't it? But there again, I suppose we we do these things to get away from uh, these screens. Anyway, thanks very much uh, for watching. Uh, that's me uh, kind of bowing out and. Uh, I am delighted you with, and thanks very much for your comments and questions. Uh, keep it up. Uh, thank you. And.
have a wonderful week, uh, day for the rest of it. Oh, anybody going up Karakil? Uh, the uh, forecast at the moment is for it to get more sunny, but looking at it, it looks like uh, some cloud belts coming over about nine o'clock. So it's going to be very busy up there. I always find it a bit of a, a nuisance as such. Let's put up a, uh, there we go. There's the people up at Karakil. Now, uh, quite what happens, that is a sunset there. And quite happens, the crowds gather. And those people that you actually see on the screen, they uh, they sort of get busier. And and where I'm standing, that's the last you see of the sun. That was a lucky shot. That was a very lucky shot, by the way. So uh, have a, a wonderful uh, day. And hopefully I will see you in, I'm finding the right button, uh, next week. Thank you. And... Uh, oh boy, that's the wrong biz. I uh, pressed the wrong button there. Let's get the right uh, thing. So, uh, yes, there we go. Uh, so, bye bye and thank you. <laughs>